When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi, and welcome back to Realistic Sustainability. I'm Mike, and I'm here with Nick. How you doing? I'm not doing too bad. How about yourself? I feel like I'm doing better than you are. I'm a little slow today. A little bit slow. And hopefully that doesn't translate too badly to the show tonight. If you have enough days where you're a little slow, it eventually becomes normal, and you don't feel it anymore. <laughs> well, my day was, of course, a normal work day, and then I followed up with a really cool thing in the mail. So since then, I have been nonstop until it's time to record. Did you get your Speedo? I did not. They did not have enough material that's been canceled. But Beginner's Guide to Greeting Your Life book. You mean the book you wrote? The book that I wrote is at my house to be reviewed. And if it's approved, we will have a bunch of them. That's awesome. I mean, I won't be honest. I was at your house. I held it. I was in awe. I was a giddy little schoolgirl, and I was trying to like I was trying to open it and read it, but I didn't want to open it all the way because I didn't want to crease the cover. Well, that one's and, mine. That one's mine. It will stay there, so you can crease that cover. And and so on one hand, you're on the phone talking to I think your mom or something, and I really wanted to interrupt you and be like, "Can I open this? Can I read it?" But you know, <laughs> I have better etiquette and better manners, so I'm trying just to kind of like list a little bit and read a little bit of it, and. uh on the other hand, my brain's like, well, a book has to live. Like, a book exists to be read. Right. And so I was like, okay, I'm going in. And it, I only made it through the introduction, but it was it was wonderful. Well, thank you. Thank you. As a matter of fact, by the time this episode airs, it will be available on greenyyourlife.org. Really? It will. Because we're pre-recording this episode. Oh, I had no idea. <laughs> so anyways, this episode, we're going to talk about waste. Not your personal waste, your household waste, and how many things are wasted in the house. Now, granted, I think we've talked about in the past that about 33% of the food produced in the United States is wasted. We've talked about every single day we can fill a school bus with plastic straws. Mm -hmm. And that's just one item. We're not talking about cups. We're not talking about lids because we're talking in the 60 millions when you start getting into the, some of those single-use items, but all the different ways that we waste in the house. When I talk about waste coming from your home, what's the first thing you think of? The first thing I think of when you talk about waste coming from the home is plastic. I feel like everything that goes into my kitchen, and my kitchen is kind of not the focal point of the home, but it definitely gets the most use outside of the living room. So I feel like everything that goes into the kitchen comes in wrapped in plastic, plastic, plastic boxes, plastic cellophane wrapping and so you bring your groceries home you put them away you you throw the bags away well those are plastic right there those could have been reused and or if you you know you buy um the microwavable easy mac that's a plastic container with a plat you know what i mean mm -hmm. so it there's a lot of plastic and plastic is the number one wasted item in my house other than time other than time and time is something that can be wasted it is i always see energy mm-hmm You've, you've sat across this table enough with me already to know that that's where my brain immediately goes. There's two kinds of outlook for energy. The first one is 
that darn consumer's bill, that energy bill, the lights being left on. Do I still have old bulbs anywhere? Because first of all, you'll not, you will not find incandescent bulbs in my home. Those are not light uh, distributors. Those are small heaters. And if you need them to keep the chicken water from freezing, they're yours. I can't <laughs> use them. That is not their primary purpose. CFL bulbs. I'm working every one of those out of my house, not only because they need to be recycled and cared for properly, but because I don't like to plan for light. We live in a colder climate, and the way those lights function, it takes a minute before you actually get the light you you need or want. And it's just me being me. I want light at, you know, the speed of light. So I've converted everything to LED. So I'm constantly looking at that. I'm constantly checking the furnace. Do we have leaks? We have you know plastic over specific windows that I know leak. So when I look at that, I'm first looking at that energy bill. Okay. The next thing I'm looking at is when you talk about things leaving the house, the garbage is that waste. My I have to try to minimize how much leaves the property. We are a family of five. We consume like a family of five. It is challenging to be sustainable. Yeah, no, I understand. We've started to make some changes in some of the waste. You've talked in the past about giving food scraps to the chickens, yeah. which is fantastic. Then they don't, you don't, you don't buy as much feed. Well, that's true. You cuts down a lot on, on the feed purchase. Uh, a little happy accident also makes the chickens fatter, so that's less bedding you have to keep them warm with. <laughs> but um, yeah, in, in fact, as I was leaving tonight, uh, Xander was going through cleaning out the refrigerator, getting rid of unnecessary leftovers from Thanksgiving, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. That was going in a bucket out to the chickens because, it, I mean, the food, it's not like I'm feeding them rotten or molded food. It's just food that we are not going to eat. Right, And I'm not the kind of person to go, oh, well, I've got a half pan of lasagna. Let's wrap this up and give it to the neighbor. So I kind of feel like once something's been in my fridge four or five days, if no one is eating it, mm-hmm. I don't want to waste it. And the chickens will eat it. And they'll get use out of it. And then they provide me a service. So And an egg. That would be the service. <laughs> or uh, uh, sometimes, unfortunately to them, a whole meal. That is a happy accident as well. <laughs> so I have focused on paper goods. Mm-hmm. And I know the first thing I'm when I say this, people get upset, is I'm burning all of our paper goods. Because, of course, they're going to say inks and the emissions. First things first, when this stuff goes to the landfill, it's getting burnt anyways. It's going through a process. It's going to be going through that same process. The difference is, is I'm keeping the ash. I'm spreading the ash over my flower beds, any place where I'm growing things, and... When I look at things with embodied energy, like we've talked about in earlier episodes, it no longer has to be carried by a truck to a landfill. Mm-hmm. It never has. It doesn't have to go through the processing. Doesn't. If it did sit in a landfill, it doesn't have to go through the rot. The fact is, is I'm keeping it on my property and gaining one more use out of it. Look at that. Something that you just made me think of that we do with a lot of our paper waste, and this isn't across the board, not everything, but a lot of our paper waste I shred. Because shredded paper, as long as it's fine enough and there's nothing that's noticeable, makes really good packing material. And as you and I were talking about earlier, I tend to do a bit of eBay. Mm-hmm. And so I, I tend to shred a lot of that. That actually is also good to mix with soils. Yeah, it breaks down easy that way. Mm-hmm. Yep, and it, cardboard is a good example. I just haven't been putting much back into the gardens because I just laid a massive amount of leaves into the garden Mm -hmm. so i need that to settle so right now it is primarily burning that paper waste and i'll tell you when you're conscious about your household waste when you have a family 
of five in the modern world, which means everything's plastic wrapped in plastic. Mm-hmm. And I mean that not as a joke, but as an, a plastic item wrapped in plastic items wrapped in plastic items that your trash can gets full really quick. It sure does. Every single week we were dragging three, four cans to the road. Mm-hmm. And that is, that's just an insane amount of waste. For no, us. It is. And so you're in the standard like home size trash cans to go to the road. Ours are provided by uh, Waste Management who runs our dump. And um, our landfill, my apologies. <laughs> and our our trash cans, without knowing an exact number, so don't butcher me on this, I would be willing to wage probably hold 30% more than yours do. And we still fill four of them. Four huge, I mean, they're five, They're almost five foot tall. They come up to my chest. When mm-hmm. you open them, they're, they're very large cans. And we fill them. I mean, I'm not saying all four every single week, but odds are three of them for sure. Right. And on uh, special days, like the magical day Christmas we have coming up, that will be four, guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Talk about paper. Right. And now, granted, when it comes to some of this, I try to keep some paper, anything unique. Newspapers right now are being kept for wrapping paper. Magazines, different things that are unique. So that when we go to wrap some of these gifts that, that the kids will get, they'll have a at least a, a neat wrapping paper because I am horrible. I really dislike wrapping paper. I really dislike bows. I really dislike those little card name tag things that mm-hmm. put on there. Now I will say this right now. Sometimes I lose. Sometimes I lose. I am married to a, a lovely woman who loves to make everything beautiful. If she decides that it's wrapping paper, this household's going to end up with wrapping paper. So I totally understand, and I, I halfway agree, because some of those papers graphically are just awesome to look at. And here's what I do, is more often than not, every year, Santa Claus writes a note to each child on a certain kind of wrapping paper, and everything wrapped in that kind is that child's gift. That way we're not using 75 tags. Right. But it still, you know, means we go through, or at least we purchase three to four different rolls of wrapping paper. So whatever ends up being left, if it's not enough to save for the next year or we don't have another party we're going to, I use it to wrap things for eBay. Mm-hmm. So, like, you know that you can't ship things that have chemical boxes or battery boxes or anything that, that, that could be considered potentially hazardous, even though you know you're not putting anything in there and there was no waste or any leakage or spillage in that box from the previous contents, I just wrap them in paper. I flip the the wrapping paper over inside out so it's just white on the outside. I wrap and put my label on there, and at least it gives me something to do with them. Still a single-use item, still serving the same purpose that it serves, which is the reason that you don't want to buy them. Right. Now, what I like to do for gifts, what I think looks the coolest, you have neat wrapping papers. I, I don't know why this is. I love the color of like the brown paper sacks. Mm-hmm. So I like taking those and using them as the wrapping paper. And then just instead of like ribbon, taking twine and tying it around. It reminds me of a package from the early, early days. You know, you like see in films. It's like Pony Express. Yes. Packaging. I think that is the coolest thing. And I adore it. <laughs> well, and, and it's simple. It's simple. It's things that if you didn't have in your home, you could probably say, hey, family, who has paper sacks laying around the house? Absolutely. Because, again, don't go to the store and get them there. We don't want to, hey, can I have a whole bunch of those? Yeah, I don't, I don't want new ones. But, yeah, it's, it's something that you can find. And I agree. Now, we have saved an insane amount of, like, gift bags. 
Well, yeah. That's uh, just as bad as the paper. Almost worse. Yeah. So every time we get one, we save it. And we use them for everything we can. Matter of fact, it's becoming a joke. For an example, if my wife's or my brother-in-law has a birthday, he might get a It's a Boy bag. He might get a <laughs> Happy Merry Christmas bag on his birthday. It's going to be whatever one we have, and I'm going to pick the funniest if possible. You know, what? as you're saying this, I imagine this scenario where in at a family get-together in the future hopefully near depending on covid one of us receives a gift from the other one we get a bag and then we spend the next two to three years just trading the bag back and forth and putting new state like whether like just scribbling out someone's name <laughs> or it'd be like to michael from nick and then put, just put the date on it. every time we've used it we could just date stamp it be like blah 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 and when it finally falls apart but we got nine uses out of this bag and I think we'll get more than nine it's reinforce like, it with tape if you want to hear me complain and I love my wife because she humors me. And I know she doesn't want to hear this. So She's a wonderful woman. Yes, hon. Just kind of fast forward a little bit. I hate cards. Greeting cards of any kind. I don't want to receive them. I know you love me. Feel free to call, text, send me a message on Facebook. Please do not have a vehicle drive from one city to another to drop me off a heavily printed on thick piece of paper. That will sit on my table for a, for probably two weeks and then would have normally been thrown away. I will take that same one, cross those names off, and send it back to you that holiday season because, or give it to you that holiday season because cards, they are the worst kind of single use. Yes, it's supposed to be heartfelt. Yes, it's supposed to be a personalized thing, but we can write that on anything. I agree with that. So this is where better judgment. <laughs> And personal preference <laughs> collides for me. My entire life, I've always been a person that I've always preferred the cards over the gifts. I've always loved the personal messages people write. Because, mm -hmm. I mean, to be honest, in our generation, letter writing is gone. You know, it, it went to email. Email is done on a personal or professional basis, generally speaking. When I say personal, I don't mean, like, long-lost, you know, relatives writing each other. I mean, oh, hey... Can you cover my shift on Tuesday? Blah, blah, blah. And so as a kid growing up, I loved getting cards. Whether it be for my birthday, just for any reason, I just loved them. I thought they were really cool. And more often than not, at any given time, you could look in my room and I'd have a stack of old cards. Because mm -hmm. they, they meant something to me. Now, is that sustainable? Lord, no. And I know that now. I still love cards. <laughs> but I also understand what you're saying, and I do agree with you. So... Yeah, like I said that's uh, that's where they collide. Well, they're just they're they're highly processed. Yeah, and they're it was it's bad etiquette to use it again. It is a card that is specifically made for a moment that mm -hmm. has a tremendous amount of energy in its creation, shipping, all of those things. So by the time you get it and go, oh, nice. How many kids look at the card, toss it aside, and rip into that gift? They never look at the card. Less cards. Less cards, less cards, less cards. I, I agree, and I'm going to add something to that. We are going to be fighting a losing battle with that because we have two holidays that are specifically themed around those cards. Yes. So until we do away with Valentine's Day and Sweetest Day, they're not going anywhere. Yeah, I have tried to do, I've tried to use scrap paper to make my own not a card, and it was labeled, this is not a card. And wrote the nice little letter on the inside. I do think she kept that one, but I think she would have preferred a card. I think that's hilarious. <laughs> 
And I think next time you should use like a takeout menu from a restaurant or something. <laughs> it's got more of a, a spine to it. As we talk about more and more waste, a part of that family of five, there's always these two items that we go through tremendously. Peanut butter and mayonnaise. I don't, yeah, not together. Uh, I saw your face there. No, but <laughs> these are two things that I seem to have to buy almost every week. No matter how large of a container I purchase. I ra- I can rationalize the peanut butter because everyone in the world that likes peanut butter eats it by the spoonful. Not so sure on the mayonnaise. Yeah, just a lot of sandwiches. It gets used a lot. So I've started to keep all those containers. Mm-hmm. And now I'm buying my peanut butter and mayonnaise by container size, knowing that I can reuse this. For an example, if you look in my cupboard the moment you come back to my house today, you're going to open it up and you're going to see sunflower seeds that I bought in bulk in a peanut butter container. Mm -hmm. So this is my attempt to reduce the amount of plastic that goes out. Some things have to go out. Milk jugs, I haven't found a rational way to use them in a way that goes along with four gallons every two weeks. You know, um, those tend to still go out to the recycling, which I know are not being recycled. It's in the practice bucket. Yep. My wife used to make our make her own detergent. Life's been busy with, you know, all the things that we're trying to accomplish right now. She's had to buy it. So we have these empty plastic containers. Those go out to the practice bucket. But we don't have nearly the amount of trash going to the road. The kids are starting to kind of treat it like a competition. Mm -hmm. Now, be very careful. Here's a disclaimer. My daughter hoards things. If you make it a competition about not getting rid of stuff, she will make her room unlivable. She will hoard tremendous amounts of things. So it has to be useful still. And you're right. Packing material is a good example. There's a lot of things we throw out that if we needed to pack something up, even if it was in our own storage... When you pack up all the Christmas stuff, you can use some of these extra you know, magazines to newspapers wrap it up. Newspapers to put them all back in their boxes. Plastic bags work too. Some of those boxes that you get, you can put certain things in each box and keep it all separate so it's nice and organized for next year. Mm-hmm. Until you find another use. Really, I'm just trying to send less things to the road. I get that. And, you know, something that uh, clicked to my head when you were talking about like your peanut butter and your, your mayonnaise containers. That is not a new practice in the world, but that seems to be something that had skipped a generation and that is now becoming new to us because growing up, we, we made jokes about, you know, the leftover containers being full of food and that's what our parents learned from their parents, but the butter containers. Yes. And so one thing I've realized in the house that I live in, there are still many parts of the home that are very untouched from the previous owner. Very, there's still mm-hmm. a lot of his stuff in the house. So I'm in the garage and the work, the workspace of the garage. Open a drawer, and there is probably, a, I'd say, about twenty-five to thirty small glass jars from any number of items: baby food, chip beef, whatever it is or was that our Lord knows how old. There's no date stamp on it, but they're full of nuts and bolts and screws and mm-hmm. all this stuff. For what I can only assume is the same reason that we're talking about. They probably didn't want to have to send it to the road. There was no reason to dispose of it because really it wasn't a bad container. It wasn't broken. It wasn't damaged. It was perfectly usable. It just was no longer needed for the original purpose that it was purchased for. Yeah, if you go in my garage right now, there's a long line of planters, nuts, those square style Mm -hmm. plastic containers because once those are empty, 
I use them to keep all the bolts and things separated in the garage. Because here's the deal. If you had one, you'd have a big mess. You'd have everything mixed into one. Absolutely. And if I already have it, I might as well use it is that plastic container. So now there's a separate container for everything that I would keep. Because if I tear apart anything that's no longer usable, for an example, I had a filing cabinet that had finally seen its last days. I I am the guy that will strip it down for any other little pieces that can be saved and send the rest to the road. Because I know it's a filing cabinet. That scrap guy will be around. Yep. He's going to pick it up and he's going to take it in. But for me, I need to get all the rest of the pieces for if you're going to say like if you're going to get rid of a bookshelf i always steal those little feet that the shelves sit on oh lord that's gold man <laughs> those things are amazing you know and that, so those all get stored somewhere because even if i don't need them everybody knows that i keep certain things like this and if and if they don't my wife will gladly tell them that i hoard things like cables and stuff like that because i don't want to throw them out well yeah you're not going to want to throw them but also on the flip side if you didn't save the containers that they're in right now, mm-hmm. then you would have yourself going to the store to purchase a container to hold the stuff you're already going to save. So by saving this container, like I said once, has already been purchased. You've used it for its intended use. It's perfectly fine, perfectly safe, perfectly structurally sound. You might as well do it. Why go spend another 8 to 10 12 15 $20 on another single-use item that's just made of plastic that's going to sit on your shelf when you already have one? Yeah. So, I thought about this this week when I was looking at some things. It was, I had bought these little plastic organizers that you put your household screws and nails and all that stuff in. But we buy those sets that come with those organizers. And when we run out, we throw them away. And I thought of this because I had just emptied one of them and was moving my hand towards the trash can. And in order to, and I watched it with my eyes and passed by the one I bought. Like, wait a minute, I bought one of these. What, you know, why would I throw it in the trash can? So now I have, I have two extra ones, and as we buy more stuff in bulk, we can throw them in there. It works out like that. You know, we bought, I don't know, a long time ago, probably six years ago, a office kit, like a, like a, just a, a, an absorbently huge amount of like paper clips and rubber bands and stuff you'd put like in a desk at an office mm-hmm. for Heather when she went back to school. So it came in this this really interesting organizer, and it's it's honestly it's great. It's about nine inches wide, it's tall, holds pens, pencils. It's got lots of space for little things. Well, when all that stuff was gone, we were gonna toss it out, but it was very much reusable. It wasn't a uh, you know a disposable item. It was meant to be refilled and used. Mm-hmm. And so I kept it and I took it to work, and that's what I use it for. That was its intended purpose. And now, because I'm cheap, if I go to a garage sale and I see a bag of rubber bands or a, a, a little cup full of paper clips, I just buy them and throw them in there. I love garage sales, not only for that kind of stuff, but even things you would have bought new. A lot of times I would find household items that I wanted. Mm-hmm. That if I get it from there, it doesn't go to the dump. And I didn't buy it new. They didn't produce it just for me. I can honestly tell you that for me, talk about limiting waste, and I, I'll, I'll always compare waste to, to cost and, and what I would have spent otherwise. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot of pieces of kitchen equipment that are very expensive, and they're very expensive for something you don't need hardly at all. But when you do need them, you want them. Mm-hmm. For me, things like submersion blenders and food processors and things that I'm not going to use every day. I'm not going to be making pesto sauce every day. I'm not going to be making dressing every day. But when I decide I want to make it, I want to have that item. I don't want to go spend $80 on it every time I need one. 
So when I do see them at garage sales for two to three dollars, five, I pick them up every time. Yeah, I mean, right now, if you want sustainability to pick up traction, do what you're doing. You have to take that cost. And in my economics courses, it was called an opportunity cost. The amount of money you spent versus what you could have gotten with that same amount of money. So if you went and bought this submersion, or was it, what was it? A submersion blender. Thank you, because I apparently can't speak. If you bought that brand new, what's the average price? My KitchenAid one is $150. Okay. And what was it at the garage sale? The one I bought at the garage sale is a different brand. Mm-hmm. But I spent $8 on it. Okay. You could literally take up to $150 worth of purchases and match it to the one KitchenAid. Absolutely. And that's your opportunity cost. And and, I, and I've said this both in the book and in, at college and anytime I speak, you have to equate it to an income because that is something very near and dear to everybody. Sustainability is cost effective. It is conservative by nature. Mm-hmm. You are purposely choosing to conserve there's nothing weird or odd about it it should almost always be restructured like that because there are people who just love conservation there are people who just love sustainability me for an example i think it's fun it's the it's the most worthwhile riddle in the world but to normal people doing normal things in a normal life it only shows up on netflix once in a while it's not something that's thought of all the time. But yeah. when we start equating it to the income, then it starts popping into your head at times of need, at times of shortage. During the holidays is a great example. The fact is, this is almost always a stressful time for people. Mm-hmm. And it resonates when you talk about saving money. Well, and it's the truth, though. I mean, money is something that we all need, whether or not we want it whether or not we want to talk about it or have that conversation regardless of your your views on it we all need it we all have bills to pay mm-hmm. we all have things that come up we all have a house or a place we rent we all have a place to live we all have a vehicle that costs money to run like it is something that is a constant in our lives so if there is any if there is ever an opportunity to reduce your cost in any situation take it and that's really that is, a, that is the biggest form of waste. It always kind of funnels back to cost. It is what you're spending. If you leave the window open in the winter, it costs more. If you leave the lights on in the house when you left for the night, it costs more. If you make poor choices with the equipment in your home. I have some very high consumptive equipment. As you know, I work with Live Launch as a secondary, as another project, and I have a 3D printer. 3D printers take a decent amount of electricity to run, and it takes a long time to print things. But I'm printing things for kids. This is a joy thing. I've made that decision. But I have to plastic the windows. I have to do the other things mm-hmm. to make up for it. And I do. And my, old, and my house is relatively renovated, but they didn't replace all the windows. So we do. We have a handful of windows that we just put plastic wrap over to help keep that cost down because it is a large home for a lot of people. And it gets very costly to, to keep warm or cool, depending on the season. Well, absolutely. And, like, so my house averages about $370 a month if you average out the year. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, $370 does not sound so bad to you realize that that's over $4,000 a year. Well, I think it does sound bad in my eyes because that is something 
that we don't even acknowledge that we're getting. Yes, lights are awesome, heat, air, all these things are fantastic, the ability to cook in your home, but those are all second nature. We almost assume it. So to pay $400 a month on just our normal standard of living is expensive to me. It is expensive, but when you look at $4,000 a year, for the average person that's in my life, like the people that I see every day, that's a good 15 to 20% of their yearly income, sometimes more. Some people are a single mom working by themselves at a, mm-hmm. at a low-paying job, or you know what I mean? So that's a lot of money. And then you look at, okay, so look at it this way. If you can't really get behind or understand the sustainable side of your home, look at the amount of hours you spend on your life earning that money to keep your home hot. Yep. To keep your to keep your water warmed, your lights on, and go, okay, well, I know that if I've got to work 40 hours a week, an entire week, just to pay for that month's bill right there, then you should want to reduce that because your time is worth more. Yeah. You should want to save as much as you can. And I hate that I've got to come at this from the financial side of it, but... I don't because it's the re- it's the reality of it. When I talk to my son about work, I tell him that he's trading his time because he really is. When every time we go to work, whatever the amount of money that we're getting is in the time we're spending away from doing the things we always wanted. Not that some people don't have jobs that they just they just, they just love, but I'd rather be with the family. I'd rather be outside on a sunny day. So we're trading that time, we're trading that labor for this money. It should be guarded as if it was the clock ticking in our lives. It should be guarded because it is. So when I look at the cost of the house, I've been slowly making changes. When I first moved in there, the the energy bill was probably very close to what you were saying. On an average of close to $400 if the air conditioning is going or if the heat is going. Mm -hmm. And there's always those two wonderful periods of time here in Michigan where neither are running. And I, str- and I try so hard to stretch those out. I know, right? And to the point now where I get small peasant uprisings in my home when the, the temperature is still sitting at 64. And I'm saying, no, in the summertime, you would have loved it. You know, that's It's funny that you say it like that because perspective definitely influences your tolerance of your climate. <laughs> right. And so you're right. In the summer, in the, in the beating hot summer, 64 is amazing. And, but when you look out the window and you see snow coming down and you see like really windy days and, and the trees are bare and it just looks cold and your brain shifts. <laughs> well, for those of us thicker people, 64 still feels okay. It would send my children into hypothermia. <laughs> right. And so I totally understand that. And for me, like what I, what I say, it averages out, you know, 370 to 400 a month. But that's because if I didn't run air conditioning. Mm-hmm. Which we have, we only have a, a single room unit. It's like a 700 B2 air conditioner. It's one of the ones that sits on the floor. Mm-hmm. But that that pulls a ton of juice, man. It's a heat pump. It, it has is, to. It's ridiculous. And we only run that in my room and only really in like July and August. But throughout May and June when the heater's off and it's like springtime, it might be chilly in the home. My consumer's bill is like $170. <laughs> climate is expensive. And what's funny, a good chunk of that 170 is probably that tank that reheats your water on a regular basis, even when you're not home. Yeah, that's that's the little engine that could. It never stops. Right. And that's one of those things that I will tell you is on my list. An on-demand system is near the top of my list. A friend of mine got one. He bought a heavy-duty one. I mean, you're running two showers all day and mm-hmm. no one cares. But Yeah, so... um. 
when I first met Heather, mm-hmm. her sister and brother-in-law had one of those um, those what you call on-demand, on-demand systems. systems yep. Each each place in the home where there was water had its own thermostat built into the wall. You could program the temperature you wanted, the amount of water. Trying to think of correct words on this, the amount of pressure you wanted. Okay. It was it was amazing. So you go into the bath. Like the children's bathroom was rated much lower than than the adults. So if you took a shower in, in Sam and Chad's bathroom, it might melt your skin off. <laughs> but the the children's one, it was like bath water. And I use that as a, as a kind of a, a general expression. Anyone could climb in this and not say it was hot. Like it was just like a pool. Mm-hmm. And it was amazing though. And they had one in the kitchen. That was the one that ex- that excited me the most because anything in the kitchen gets my you know gets my gears going. I love them. But I thought it was a really awesome concept. I never knew they existed. I'd never seen anything like that. It's like a boiler on demand. They just heat the water coming in. I thought that was awesome. I had never ever seen a system without a tank. A because I'm poor, and B because I I guess I was just ignorant to it. And if I would have seen one in the past, I never would have even known what what it was to ask. Well, and it sounds like they had the smaller units individually placed at different sinks or different water sources where you could dial it if you would for that that specific area. And either of those are fine because they're not running when they're not being used. Yeah. And you can have multiple ones if that's what's best convenient for you. The I want to reinforce that this is realistic sustainability. These are the little steps, the things we can do without changing the quality of our life. These are things that we can do to make a difference and not notice the difference. Yeah, absolutely. Because I got to tell you, when people start noticing, you tell someone that, well, if you're going to live off the grid, you know, a lot of people think you can just throw up a couple of solar panels and you're living off the grid. That's a lot of frozen hot pockets. That microwave will never work again. So if you, and I'm going to say this being possibly one of the most ignorant people about this kind of stuff because I still have so much to learn. If you believe that a couple solar panels on your roof would power everything in your home on your normal day-to-day life, and, and let me tell you, as a, as a, a normal American man, we're a very wasteful people. We, we're very waste, consumptive. We consume so much more than we save. Mm-hmm. You have no concept over how much power you actually utilize and waste the way i look at it is this even if i'm really really anal about making sure all my lights get turned off all of them Mm -hmm. okay so i know that everything plugged in that house is still using a tiny bit of juice my tvs are always on there's always an led the computers are always charging my printer's always hooked up to the internet and there's always something and don't even get me started on my constants like my turtles filters never stop (laughs) um (laughs) like it's there's always juice going always 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 and so I say that because there's no possible way for my home, two or three solar panels could produce that much power all day long. And that's not even the big stuff. That's not the water heater. That's not the furnace. The, the microwave, the refrigerator. Not, yeah. Oh, the fridge. My gosh. Mm-hmm. Or the, the deep freeze that we have. Like it's, it's none of that. That's just like the little stuff. But it's not uncommon. When I was at the University of Michigan, because I was in that blended program, it wasn't all engineers. Matter of fact, I was one of the few engineers in that blended program. Mm-hmm. And when they asked me, what should we add to this program? It was circuits. Because many people felt like I put up a wind, a wind turbine, the wire goes into the house, everything works. Like this happens, the, you know, the, the turbine turns, it induces electricity, and voodoo follows, because there's like this little black box of who knows what, which, you know, to me is either batteries or inverters, because I know DC power, AC power, all that fun stuff. Mm-hmm. But 
people don't know that conversion. They just think electricity created, electricity used. It's voodoo in the center. So a lot more people than you know do not know the math that it takes to run a, a standard household. Oh, I'm sure that uh, everyone I know doesn't know the math, except for you. <laughs> I don't know the math. I am not even touching on the math topic. I am just telling you it's not going to produce enough power. Well, and Like when you see buildings that have an entire side of the building are solar panels and they still pay an electric bill. Mm-hmm. I have a I have a good size home, and because my house isn't two stories, it's you know it's kind of like a ranch style ish. I mean, I've got a basement. We could cover our entire roof in solar panels, and I still don't think it would produce enough power. And if it did produce enough power throughout certain times of the year when the days are longer, we currently have no way to store it. That's a whole nother talk. Topic. Well, and that's that's a whole different show. We got at some point that show is going to have to happen because that's a conversation that people talk about a lot and don't necessarily know the details. I will tell you something fun. It is not, I'm not saying this as it's a massive cost saver. What I'm saying is you leave your cell phone plug check, uh, plugged in the wall. So on that night you can just plug in your phone in and set it down. Every one of those will cost you between three and $8 a year. Oh, for sure. I know. Just from resistance. Just we, from the electrical resistance and without a phone plugged into it. Does it need to? When you when you put a power pack, and that's what I refer to them as, into the wall, if it's getting hot, that means there's juice going through the capacitors because mm-hmm. the heat is the heat's energy on its own. So you know there's electricity that's going loss. through it. Yeah, that's all loss. Mm-hmm. And like the the one I have that I use for this, if you if you brush into it when you're sleeping, you'll wake up. It's hot. No, it's not going to start a fire. I'm not being dramatic, but it will get your attention. <laughs> well, and it's, you know, the toaster, when it's plugged in, has, it doesn't have standby, but it has resistance. I, I've i started to pick up, and I haven't figured out exactly how it's going to work yet, but I have home assistant plugs so that less used rooms, I can make sure I can monitor and shut off. Wouldn't it be easier just to have them on a separate breaker and just kick the breaker off when there's no one in the room? I don't want to go to the basement. Well, on a separate breaker. It doesn't have to be in the basement. What I'll do is that plug or anything into this plug Mm -hmm. will be accessible just like my thermostat is on my cell phone. Mm -hmm. For an example, I have children. Half of my family leaves, you know, week in, week out. So Mm -hmm. two people leave, two people are back. Week after week. Okay, so then throughout the time, there's no one in their bedrooms. You can shut them down. I can shut them down to where standby isn't even in existence. So on a, on a conceptual basis, it'd be like a digital breaker. So it serves mm-hmm. the same purpose. You just don't have to walk down and go click, click. Yeah, and it's it's part of part of using the Wi-Fi. It's all part of that in-house network. Yeah. Because now that I've got most of the basics covered, mm-hmm. I've, I've got a little extra insulation in places that needed it. So we've pulled trim off and it's great foamed between the windows and the walls and put the trim back on. Down in the basement, we've great foamed all between the house and the foundation. Those things, keeping the air as much into the house as possible. I've gone outside after it snows, make sure there's no spots. Because that's the great thing about living here in Michigan is that if that part of the roof melts, you know where the it's heat's not coming insulated. out. Yeah, I understand that. You know, so and we use three floors of our home daily. Mm-hmm. So now that I've got most of that done, and we're plasticking the windows because they're unique to the house, so it's going to be challenging to change them out, and the mm-hmm. cost is excessive. So I'm trying to do some other things first. Now I'm working my way to what can I do with motion sensors, timers. 
and smart devices. Power on necessity, not just to have it. Yeah, because a lot of our houses are power all the time. Your TV is just there waiting for you to use it. It costs you between 27 and $70 a year mm-hmm. in, in preparation, in the hopes that you may want to use it, so that we don't have that warming up process. It just comes on. Anything plugged in is going to draw a little bit of power. Right. So that creates that waste. Mm-hmm. And that's, again, remember from earlier episodes, electricity that comes into the home is only 6% or 16% of what was produced at the plant. It lost all that out, that difference on its way to you. So whatever we use, we can account we, we have to account for the full amount that, mm-hmm. of that coal that was burnt, that natural gas that was burnt, or that oil that was consumed. Yeah, just because they lost the power in getting it doesn't mean they're not charging us for it. So No, absolutely not. They are not going to lose that's all priced into it. They know that we're gonna get sixteen percent of it. Mm-hmm. So, but if, if you're a conservationist, if you're someone who, you know, I turn it into a game. I want to see how low I can get the gallons of water at, on the water bill. I want to see how low I can get the electric bill. Not to the point where it causes too much stress in the house, but the kids certainly hear it when I come home and it's lit up like a Hallmark card, even when no one's in those rooms. So I'm looking for those ways. No, I, I understand that. And I, I think that a lot of people... Maybe I'm being dramatic when I say this. Could look at it, you know, it's like, who wants to go on a vacation? Who mm-hmm. wants to get better at saving money in the household? You make the comment, this is going to this is gonna cost you $8 a year. Well, this is going to cost you $7 a year. How many TVs are in your home? Right. Almost how, every... How many phone chargers? Yep. You have a family of five. And none of them are babies. So, you know, they all have televisions and, and, and maybe not cell phones, but electronics, video games computers mm-hmm. and um, we have some of the worst ones laptops for an example like we're using right now because we are constantly charging i leave it plugged in most mm-hmm. of the time it has a solid draw desktop computers are also that way but i think those are kind of phasing out game systems playstations xboxes they take a tremendous amount and in their standby mode does not drop much no not at all and that's what i'm saying though like when you add up all that savings if you will all those small little upcharges you're paying throughout the year just to have the convenience of it's mine i want it now that's a lot of money it really is i bet and i challenge anybody listening you're creeping up on a new year december i believe is when you start making goals for next year i really believe that if you tracked it and was just conscious of waste especially when it comes to energy but also with reusability and everything else in the home I bet if you tracked it, at minimum, you'd save $500 next year. Probably. At minimum. And what what is $500 to you right now? $500, well, okay, let's be real about this. $500 for my family is a month's worth of rent almost. It is, it's groceries for a month. Mm-hmm. $500 is a new set of tires in the winter on my truck. $500, $500 is a good sized amount of money in the sense that you can do things with it you normally have to save up for. It's a week's worth of wages for a lot of people. I really think you could accidentally save about $500. If you put effort into it, Mm -hmm. it would be so much more. $500 is, at the end of the year, really, it's security. It's something that could be used for that next household tragedy. It could be used for that next need, or it could be saved year over year. And you could look at the savings account and say, that was my waste. Yeah. You know, and that now I feel secure with this savings because I've now 
pushing all of my waste into this account. That's true. So Very true. It's okay when you're talking sustainability to people to equate it to a cost because, well, let's face it, sustainability is a niche group of individuals, and it, it may change over time because Hopefully some it pe- does. You know, it may change because of well, let's be honest, it will change out of necessity. We want to continue to live here. It's easier to keep this planet habitable than to create another. So we definitely need to work towards it. And it may become more mainstream. But the first thing that gets people's attention is savings. Well, yeah, it's, it's also the easiest the easiest part of sustainability to comprehend. A lot of it, and you had mentioned this in previous episodes, when you hear the word sustainability, it's, it's kind of an all or nothing mantra. People either like living off the grid and, you know, in, in the wilderness and eating moss. And it's like this ridiculously <laughs> composting toilets. It's yeah, it's this hippie experience or they're just burning the world with everything they do. And, but there's so much room in between. It's literally day, night, and then all of it's in the gray area. Mm-hmm. There's so many things because all of our lives are different that you can do. That maybe I can't do because my life is not your life, but I have things in my life that don't apply to you. But we can all make positive changes. The cost one is the easiest one for people to understand. I believe once you explain it to them that they don't they won't feel dumb and they're not they don't need a college education to learn how to save money. Mm-hmm. If anyone that's fairly money conscientious when they're paying their bills would love five hundred dollars at the end of the year they didn't have the year before. Do you know how many people work their entire year just to get their tax returns back and have, still have to pay off extra debt because they didn't earn quite enough or maybe they didn't save enough mm-hmm. to pay those bills throughout the year? It, a lot of people live on a robbing Peter to pay Paul. So I think that if you can explain it to them in a way that saves them money, they might be inclined to pay attention. Well, there's countless options. The, hopefully, the more you listen, the more you learn, the more you'll see. You'll look around. You'll see the waste. And you'll start making these positive changes. This all adds to your positive footprint. These are things that you wouldn't have changed in the past, but now you are. And maybe, just maybe, someone will see you make that change wanting to save that money too. And now your positive footprint has grown between you and that other individual. So hopefully you've gotten something from this episode. I know this was a unique one because I think we went on a lot more rants than normal. Sorry. And it's it's all in good fun. But if you have any comments, leave them to us. Put them on the greeningyourlife.org page or make a comment on the Facebook. We love to hear from you. We appreciate your support and we appreciate you listening. I'm Mike. And I'm Nick. Just do a little better each day. We'll see you next week. If you have the desire to be sustainable but are unsure of what can go in the recycling bin or you're constantly forgetting the reusable grocery bags, check out Starting Sustainability, the podcast. Don't be frustrated or confused anymore. Starting Sustainability was created to help those beginning their sustainable journey. Each week we give ideas on simple concepts you can easily incorporate into your current lifestyle. We also share stories of what works and what doesn't so you don't have to waste your time and money. Check out Starting Sustainability, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.